for those of joining online, welcome, welcome, welcome. Uh, I pray that the Spirit of God flows mightily into the homes of people watching online and obviously flow mightily amongst the, 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 the flock of, of God's people here um, into your hearts. Because it's where your hearts, it's where things, that, that is the command center of your body, that you feel his presence here on this Lord's Day. May he give you exactly what you need this day. I'm humbled to be here. Uh, my name again is Stephen Romo. Uh, honored that Pastor Mike had thought about me. I mean, I was here in March. Wasn't it like here in March? Are y'all tired of me yet? Uh, he asked me to come and share from God's word as he visits his mom and a family across the pond. Uh, We'll pray for safe travels for Pastor Mike as when, his, when he departs and comes back home uh, across that, long, that big pond across the, the ocean. Uh, would you mind praying with me? Father, you are God. There is none other. You are our Heavenly Father. I pray blessings over Pastor Mike and the time he has with his family. Uh, I know it's a special thing when he gets to see his family. I know also that uh, some of his family members don't know you yet, and I know that he, it's, it's, it's his heart's desire that, you, that they all come to know you. Uh, Lord, we, we are mere men and women here. We ask that you flow into this place, that you speak mightily from my lips. I'm just a, a vessel. Speak through me, Lord, and feed the flock here today. It is an honor and a privilege to stand here in, 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 the, in the stead of Mr. Mike Bishop. Uh, again, blessings over his family and, and safe travels when he does return. Lord, we need you in this crazy world. We love you. And I pray that you make yourself known here and now. And all God's people say, amen. So the name of my sermon, I don't give sermons titles very often. But about Friday last, I wrote on the top of a piece of paper at my office desk. I wrote, what you say, with a question mark. And I left it there. I go about my life uh, working uh, in healthcare. My job, I have a, I have a job, and uh, I, have to, I have to work during the day and uh, constantly asking the Lord what to talk about. In the, in the scripture we're going to get into a little bit later, Jesus asked some questions of you. He asked some questions of me, and we're going to talk about that in a minute. But I thought it would be interesting to Google uh, Ripley's most Google's questions, most Googled questions, rather, in 2022. What these multitudes are seeking, the hard answers that people Google. Did you know that 12 million searches were for the question of who am I? Uh, For for what song is this? The question, what song is this? 18 million searches in 2022. Where am I? 18 million searches in 2022. What time is it? 21,960,000. Why is the sky blue? 5,400,000. How many ounces in a cup? 32,880,000. By the way, it's eight. What to watch? 109,680,000. Where's my refund? 89,760,000 in 2022. Uh, <laughs> reminds me of a story. Reminds me of a story. I always have a story for you. Uh, a husband and wife were both 60 years old. They were celebrating their 40th wedding anniversary, and a genie appears to them. 
you guys have been married for 40 years. I'd like to grant you each one wish. They said one wish. Why? What's the deal? I thought you were getting three wishes. They said times are tough. It's one wish each. What do you wish? This is a true story, by the way. Uh, the wife said, I love my husband so much, I would love for us to be together on an island on the South Seas. Poof. There they stood on an island in the South Seas. Okay, said the genie, what do you wish for? The husband looked at his wife and said, I would like a wife 30 years younger. Poof. The man was 90 years old, so be careful what you ask for. I know it's bad, but I got to get you a bad joke every now and then. My brothers and sisters, our centuries past, people have been asking deep, probing, and profound questions. In 1602, in Shakespeare's Hamlet, as he contemplated suicide, he said, to be or not to be, that is the question. And I'm going to say right here, if you're ever struggling with those thoughts of, Ending your own life, that's a lie. It's a lie. Please don't listen to those words. In, in the 1980s, there was a series of British children's books originated the question, where's Waldo? I didn't get into that very much, but it was a, a deal. Where's Waldo? The Russian-born manicurist Clara Peller coined the catchphrase in Wendy's 1984 ad campaign, where's the beef? So here's my own question, after much thought and deep prevail. Will the Cowboys ever win another Super Bowl? <laughs> hey, who said that? <laughs> Before we look at today's main scripture, I would like to say a little something about words. Ooh, you didn't expect that, did you? Words are powerful. As believers, we should really watch what we say. I had 40 years without Jesus, about 19, going on 20 with him. So I remember my carnal man and my words, bad. We'll talk about that in a second. But a man or a woman of God, words should be totally different. We have to watch what we speak. Could, we could speak months on this subject, but I'm going to touch on a little bit. I can still remember, let me tell you how powerful words are. 20 plus, almost 20 years ago, I was in oil and gas, and I had to wear a shirt and tie every day. And this girl that was a temp walked up to me and said, did you really wear that shirt with that tie? And I was like, it's still today. It's like, it's down in there. So your words are powerful. Your words are powerful. God says to his children, bless and do not curse. This is in Romans 12, 14. Bless and do not curse. In Proverbs 18, 21, it says the tongue has the power of life and death. Isn't that right? Is that not right? And here's some sound advice. This is free. This is free. Do not send the letter, the text, or the email if you're angry. Put yourself in time out. Take a walk. Come back and look at that. I bet you don't want to send it. Bless and do not curse, Romans 12, 14. Proverbs 18, 21. The tongue has the power of life and death. Uh, when words... Are many, this is in Proverbs 10, verse 19. It's a miracle. It's, it's kind of funny that Proverbs 10 kind of jumped out at me. And all this is about the tongue. Listen to Proverbs 10, 19. When words are many, sin is not absent. But he who holds his tongue is wise. Isn't that good? The mouth of the righteous is a fountain of life. Proverbs 10, 11. The tongue of the righteous is choice silver. The lips of the righteous nourish many. Jesus brings tongue full circle, James rather, in James 3, 5, 11. Let me, let me read. 
It'll be up on the screen. If you have your Bibles, you can turn to it if you wish. This is uh, James 3, verses 5 through 11. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great force is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue also is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole person, sets the whole course of his life on fire, and it, and it is, and is itself set on fire by hell. All kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and creatures of the sea are being tamed and have been tamed by man, but no man, but no man can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil, full of deadly poison. With the tongue, verse 9, with the tongue we praise our Lord and Father, and with it we curse men who have been made in God's likeness. Verse 10, out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers, this should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water come from the same spring? Got to hold the tongue. Words are powerful. Luke 6. Luke 6. Let me see if I mark that here. Matthew, Mark, Luke 6. I think I have it here. I have it already. Matthew, Luke 6, 43 through 45. There's an old story by Dr. Adrian, Roller, Adrian, Adrian Rogers. Anybody heard of Dr. Adrian Rogers? He was, he's in glory now, but he used to tell a story when he was very young and in the ministry. He was in a small apartment. The church didn't have a lot of money to give him, but they, bring him, they brought him like eight cases of oranges because he was in California. They said, we, we just want to give you all these oranges, and they were really, really good. His house smelt like oranges. Out in his yard, there was a Osage orange tree. That is a bitter orange tree. And he was having coffee one morning. He noticed a kid climbing the fence, and he was sneaking around. And he was pulling those oranges down and putting them in his, in his shirt and climbing, throwing them over the fence and going back over the fence. And he thought to himself, He's going to take one bite into those, and he's going to, like, gag. If he'd just come and knocked on the door and asked, I'd I'd have given him a case. So there's good trees, and there's bad trees. Luke 6, 43 through 45 says, No good tree bears bad fruit, nor does a bad tree bear good fruit. Each tree is recognized by its own fruit. People do not pick figs from thorn bushes or grapes from briars. The good man brings good things out of the... out of the good stored up in his heart, and the evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. Listen, for out of the overflow of his heart, his mouth speaks. My thoughts, your thoughts. Some, here's some other sound advice for you. You might think it, but don't say it. God will work on the thinking part, too. I learned that a long time ago. I have some thoughts. If you know what some thoughts I have, you'd be like, that guy does not need to be up there on the, in the pulpit. Got to hold those thoughts, hold those thoughts captive, and the best thing is just don't say it. You might think it, but don't say it, because if you say it, then you're, it's coming out of the overflow of your heart. You don't want that coming out of your heart, amen? You do not. So, me, B.C., when I say B.C., that's before Christ. Foul mouth. It's the best way I can describe it. Curse words. Dirty jokes. No jokes that I could definitely start a sermon with. I could tear down people with my words. I could kill them with my tongue. That was my first 40 years of my life. So, okay, you ask, where is he going with all this? Get on with it, will you? Okay, here we go. If you have your Bibles with you, will you turn with me to Matthew 16, verses 13 through 16. Matthew 16, verses 13 through 16. Let me turn to it myself, and then we'll read the word. Matthew 16, 13 through 16. Listen to the word of the Lord. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, Who do the people say the Son of Man is? 
They replied, some say John the Baptist, some others say Elijah, and still others, Jeremiah, one of the prophets. But what about you, he asked, who do you say I am? Verse 16, Simon Peter answered, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Jesus replied, I'm going to stop there. I'm going to stop there. You are the Christ, Simon Peter, good old Simon. He's always been impetuous, but he got it right right there. He really did. He got it right. So there's three questions in this verse, in this short verse. Who do people say the Son of Man is? What about you? And who do you say I am? That last one's for us. We're going to talk about that in a minute. Who do people say the Son of Man is? Well, they said John the Baptist. John the Baptist was Jesus' cousin, six months older, about the same age exactly. And he was a great man of God, but he's dead. He's alive now in glory, but he, couldn't, he did not defeat death. Elijah, about 900 B.C., so about 2,900 years before Jesus, Elijah walked the earth. He performed miracles. John the Baptist did not perform, perform any miracles. He baptized people and was the herald for Jesus' coming. But Elijah, great man of God, he's dead. Jeremiah, 626 B.C., so 2,600 years or so before Christ, Jeremiah walked this earth. Great prophet of the Lord. Read the book of Jeremiah. It's so deep. Great prophet of the Lord, but he's dead. These men, the people said, you, he's with John the Baptist. He's Elijah or Jeremiah, one of the prophets. All those people are great men of God, but they're dead. All great men of God, yet they died foretelling of Jesus' coming. They knew the Old Testament as well. At least Elijah and Jeremiah were part of the construction of the Old Testament. They believed Jesus was just one of them that could not save them. Only Jesus, listen, only Jesus defeated death. How did he defeat death? Because he's God. He's Emmanuel. So listen, my brothers and sisters, we do not put our, our trust in man. Even powerful, godly men, we put our trust in Jesus. Amen? Charles Stanley passed away April 18th of this, of this year at 90 years old after 50 years of serving faithfully as an anointed preacher of God's word. I admired him. I still love listening to him. But I do not worship him. I learn from him. I want to be a, a man of God like him, if anything. But he is in glory now. He can't save me. He can't save you. Mother Teresa she needed a savior. Billy Graham, he needed a savior. Mary, the mother of Jesus, said, my soul glorifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God, my savior. Psalm 146 verses 3 through 4 says, do not put your trust in princes and mortal men who cannot save. When their spirit departs, they return to the ground. On that very day, their plans come to nothing. So, looking back at verse 15, but what about you? Who do you say I am? And that's Jesus talking to you. My brothers and sisters, in your hearing of these, that's scripture, so that's living word. Poses a question to each of us. It is God reaching down into your very deepest part of your soul, down into your heart where nobody else knows what's in there, but you and God. And he asked each of us individually, who do you say I am? It's a one-on-one. -on -one. 
So, what you say. I know that's bad English. My daughter's an English major. She said, she said, Dad, I can't believe you called that sermon what you say. That's bad English, Dad. I know, honey, I know. So, what you say. Your words matter. And what you say about Jesus has eternal consequences. Listen, it has to be real. It has to be from deep down in there. You say his name and you mean it. Amen? You say his name and you mean it. I love, I absolutely love, and don't judge me, but it's probably my next ink. Romans 10, 9. Romans actually 10, 9, verses 9 through 10. Romans 10, 9 through 10. Let me read it. That if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord. You say it. And believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you might be saved. You could be. You may be. Are you awake? I'm making sure you're awake. Y'all are good Bible students. You will be saved. Verse 10. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified in it, and it is with your mouth that you confess and are saved. Love it. Out of the overflow of the abundance of your heart, the mouth speaks. That's what you want to speak. Am I right? Amen? You want to say, Jesus is Lord. You say, Jesus is Lord, you're quoting scripture. Romans 10, 9. When I'm, um, let me say this. There's a sharp sword in that scripture in Romans 10, 9 and 10. It's a sharp, extremely sharp sword for us to use freely. And that's from Ephesians 6 and 17, which says the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. So if you use that word, that's a sharp sword. And the, the, the sword is Jesus is Lord. When I feel like I'm overwhelmed, I'm being tempted with something to click on the Internet, which I struggle with all my life. And it's, it's been good. If I'm struggling with anything, I'm, my peace is gone. I feel overwhelmed, whatever it might be, I can say, Jesus is Lord, 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 and it just goes away. I, I, commend, I ask you, I encourage you, when you feel overwhelmed or something's on top of you, say it over and over and over until it goes away. I promise you, it'll work. It's worked for me for years. I would like to take a quick look at some individuals who say or confess Jesus well. In Matthew 8, there's a leper that kneels before Jesus. And what does he say? He says, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. And what does Jesus say? I am willing. You ever thought about this? If Jesus would have touched him, if if anybody but Jesus touched him, they're unclean. But as Jesus' fingers go to him, he's unclean, he's unclean, he's unclean, he's unclean, he's unclean. Touch him clean. That leper is clean by the power of God, by the power of Jesus. I love that he touched him. Matthew 8, 5 through 13, there's a centurion. He said, Lord, my servant lies at home paralyzed and in terrible suffering. He says, I will go and heal him. He says, Lord, I do not deserve you. Have you come under my roof? Just say the word. I'm a man of authority. I tell one go. I think he goes and he can another come. Just say the word. And Jesus commends him for his faith. But what is he addresses him as Lord. Two times. Matthew 17, 14 through 16, a man knelt before Jesus. Lord, have mercy on my son. The seizures uh, overwhelm him and th- try to throw him in the fire and destroy him in the water. He addresses him as Lord. And Jesus heals him. Matthew 20. There's a bunch, but I'm just going to go through a few. Matthew 20, 29 through 34. Two blind men by the side of the road. They hear the crowd going by and they say, Lord, son of David. Boy, they throw in son of David. 
They throw in son of David, Lord, son of David, have mercy on us. They say it two times. Lord, son of David, have mercy on us. Jesus stopped and called them. What do you want me to do for you? That's a good question for you as well. Jesus asked you, what do you want me to do for you? If I feel like I'm an angry or whatever is bothering me, uh, 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 envy, strife, lust, impatience, my kindness isn't there. I can say, Lord, would you please give me more of those fruits of the spirit that you described in Galatians 5.22? But these two men on the side of the road, blind men, they say, Jesus says to them, what do you want me to do for you? Lord, we want our sight. He says, be it to you as your faith commends. And he touches their eyes and they see. He had compassion on them, touched their eyes, and immediately they received the sight. And you know what I love about those two men? They followed him. They didn't take their gift and run. They followed him. It says it. Go back and look at yourself. They followed him. Love it. And one of my favorites, uh, I go to it all the time because it just moves me uh, immensely, the thief on the cross. There's two, but there's one. It's in Luke 23. One, both, of them are one, both of them are in one version, or both reviling them. One of them is in reviling them, and the other turns to the other and says, Don't you fear God, since you're under the same condemnation? But this man has done nothing. And what does he say? He says, Jesus. Or he says, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And what does Jesus say to you? Truly, I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. I believe that's the first man to walk into paradise under the new covenant. A thief on the cross, guilty. We're all guilty. Are we not? Have we not all sinned and fall short of the glory of God? Yes, we do. We do. So quickly, I just looked up two that did not believe in the Messiah's Christ or address him as Lord. In Matthew 19, 16 through 22, there's a rich young man. He runs up and says, teacher, what good thing must I do to get get eternal life? His possessions were his God. Sad. He goes away sad because Jesus tells him, go and sell and give and come follow me. He walks away sad. Matthew 22, 15, 22, 15 through 22. The Pharisees lay plans to trap Jesus in his words over paying taxes. You know, what amazes me. They had no fear because this is at pretty much at the end of his ministry. Three years of healing all over, starting with the wine and Cana and all the people he healed up until the time of the uh, of that Passover, and they're still trying. They have no fear of him. I think I'd be a little bit on. I'd be watching a little bit more carefully. They had no fear. But these men sent disciples and the Herodians. They say, teacher, we know that you are a man of integrity and that you teach the way of God in accordance with the truth. They're not being truthful with him. They are stroking him in, in a way, so to speak. No in South Dallas, there's a, there's a term. I did some ministry in South Dallas for a while. And they, they say it, you can't play a game. You can't play a game on God. He knows. And here's a warning. This is probably the most scariest scripture that I've ever come across. And it's in Matthew 7. And it should be kind of scary to you too. Because we want to say, Lord, you're my Lord, you're my God, right? But listen to what it says in Matthew 7, 21 and following. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only he who, does the, he, he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. 
Verse 22, many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you away from me, you evildoers. So these men were, from my read, they were successful in prophesying. They were successful in casting out or driving out demons. They were successful in performing miracles. But it says in 23, I never knew you. So we have to make ourselves known to him. He knows everything. But we have to make ourselves known to him. It's not all just confession. It's really just talking to him. Amen? Just talking to him. I love my son. and He's in the military. God bless him. He's a second lieutenant in the army. And uh, he's busy. But I don't hear from him as much as I'd like. I was uh, coming back from a Union Gospel Mission a couple weeks ago, and I look at my phone, and it's him. I was uh, I about dropped the phone because my son's calling me. I didn't, almost had a wreck because my son's calling me. We don't need that to be with God, the way with God. We should. I love my son, and he's busy. But when he calls me, I'm, I just, it excites me. And I believe that's how God wants us to come to him. Make ourselves known. Talk to him about the day. Talk to him about the end of the day about how your day was or what, what has gone on in your day. But we don't say teacher. We say Lord. So after 70 years and 214 days, Queen Elizabeth II passed the crown to her son, Charles III, on May 6th this year, this month. I came across a story about King George III. He reigned from 1760 to 1820. He reigned as king. It was said that he often escaped the confines of London, and he went an hour and so many uh, minutes, I don't know if it was by chariot or horse or whatever, uh, west to his castle in Win at Windsor Castle, castle, about an hour west, where he took off his royal garb and often went to on long walks alone. Occasionally, he surprised his neighbors by popping in into, into their homes. One day, King George walked into a barn where a woman was milking a cow. She had no idea he was king. George asked her where all the other laborers and farm workers were, had gone. They have all gone to see the king, she quipped, adding, I wouldn't give a pen to see him. Besides, the fools would lose a day's wages by it, and I cannot afford to do that. I have five children to work for. Taking some coins from his pocket, the King George gave them to her. Well then, he said, you may tell your companions who were gone to see the king, that the king came to see you. Listen, my brothers and sisters, the king has come to see you. He's coming to see you now. Right here, right now, in your homes. You know, I believe that you can call any ground holy ground. Kick off your shoes. I go into one of my bathrooms. I kick off my shoes. I turn off the light, put it on the, on the fan. I take off my watch so it doesn't interrupt me, and I call it holy ground. Because he has done so much, and I talk to him, and I say, Lord, I'm saying I got it all together because I got stuff. We address him as Lord. We say, you know, the, the, lo the, the love of God showed by sending his son. The Bible word is incarnation. He sent his son. The king came to see us. And we can go and see him. Listen, this is exactly what Jesus has done for us. For God so loves the world, he gave his only son, Jesus. He came down into the world, into the heaven, from heaven into the world. 
the world he created by his words. He spoke them into, into existence. He has subjected himself into the very hands of, teenage, of a teenage girl. I have a granddaughter that's going to be born, God willing, in the first week of July. I can't wait to burp her, to change her diaper, to change her clothes, to walk around with her, to talk to her, to hold her. To, I'll, I'll hold her while she's sleeping. You know, I just can't wait. But if you ever thought about this, Jesus had to be cleaned. He had to be burped. He had to be fed. He had to, you know, he slept. He rested. It's, it's like he came from such a big place all the way down into like a pinhead of a place. Not through a womb of a virgin. And he subjected himself to her care. And we know that at 12 years old, he was left behind in Jerusalem. That's going to be something to talk about in heaven, right? They left him for five days in Jerusalem. Go and read it yourself in Luke 2. Then from 12 to 30, that's 18 years, there's nothing else that says about what, what he did or anything. But at 30, and then three years, it took him to change the world. Praise the Lord. It took him three years to change the world. He had to be cleansed. He had to be nursed. He had to be burped. He had to be changed. He had to learn to walk. He had to learn how to talk. He, had to, he learned to work with wood and iron. And isn't it interesting? And I bet he was the best carpenter. I bet he built the most beautiful things. But the wood and the iron is the same thing that suspended him above the earth. The same elements that a carpenter uses. All the way to 30 years of age, he changes the world in three years. He was raised to life. He didn't stay in the grave, praise the Lord. He did not stay in the grave. He came to life. So I say to you, this is why he says to us, what about you? What you say? What do you say? Who do you say that I am? And then we say, you are the Christ. You are the son of the living God. I love how Thomas put it, my Lord and my God. Then we can say boldly, Psalm 23, verse 1. The Lord is my shepherd. Or we can say Psalm 16, verse 2. I said to the Lord, you are my Lord. Apart from you, I have no good thing. And we can say Proverbs 18.10. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run to it and are safe. We say with our mouth, we believe in our heart that Jesus is Lord and that he was raised from the dead. We will be saved. I'm going to ask you to do something with me. I'm going to ask you to stand. Would you stand? I'm going to ask you to, as you're able, and this is, I'm done, but I'm going to ask you to sing the name of Jesus with me. Would you do that? If you don't know it, it's going to be on the screen. Just follow my lead. If you feel compelled, raise your hands. You know, I have a granddaughter. She's two. She didn't have to say anything to me. All she does is raise her hand, and I scoop her up. And that's the way I think about it when I raise my hands to the Lord. And we sing, Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, there's something about that name. Master, Savior, Jesus, like the fragrance after the rain. 
Jesus, 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 let all heaven and earth proclaim. Kings and kingdoms will all pass away. But there's something about that name. Lord, we love you. We call you Lord, and we call you Lord from our hearts, God. For without you, we are nothing. I pray that if there's anyone here that doesn't know you and is not making themselves known to you, that you go in deep into there and prick their heart a little bit. Just love them like you loved a fallen sinner like myself. We just don't know what we're doing sometimes, God, and there's people that just don't know what they're doing. I pray you make yourself known to those that are seeking, that are questioning all the, all the violence and all the strife and the, the wars and rumors of wars and all the things that are happening, which I believe are the birth pains, that people will seek you, and if they seek you with all their heart, your word says you will be found. So, Lord, we pray that the men and women here tonight, today rather, this morning, that do know you, that their spirit is stoked, that that fire, that flame is aroused and burning bright, that they know that it is their responsibility to represent, to be a light in a dark place. This world is turning astray, but may we be the beacon of your glory in this fallen world. And we pray these things in Jesus' mighty name. And all God's people say... Amen. Steve, we, we can't express how much that means to us uh, that you came here today.